Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Henry Ford. I'm just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I can. Hello, and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. We are glad that you are here. I am excited to be here with you. Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast, joined as always by my partner in crime, Perry Hughes. Perry, welcome. How are we doing today, my brother? We're doing great. It's been a a good start to the week already, a good start to the day, and I am really excited about the topic that we're going to tackle today, which I want to set up based on my small win for the week. We'll get there in a moment, Uh, but how has your week been so far? Mine's been fantastic. As you know, and the listeners that have been tracking with us you know, know we are right in the midst of a ginormous move of our business. We've been in business for 20 years, doing kids after school activities, gymnastics, ninja, all the good stuff. And we sold our building this summer. We are out upfitting and outfitting a new space. And we are, we're in the crunch time, brother. Fourth quarter as a game you know, sports man would know. But yeah, we're just grinding, painting, redoing floors, all the stuff. So we're like seven days a week. Um, but I did have a cool, uh, quick win that I'd love to share this week. In the midst of that busyness, my kids, you know, I've talked about this a couple of times. Sometimes I forget that they're kids and they'll, you know, expect them to work with the work ethic of a 43-year-old, you know, seasoned entrepreneur. It's not going to happen. Right. That's a misconstrued expectation on my part. So I'm laying that expectation down and realizing it's out of line and getting more in line with their kids. They might work for a couple hours and then they need to go play for 30 minutes. They need to go run around outside. They need to ride skateboards through the facility, whatever it is, right? And one day in this past week, I was going to, you know, call them over and kind of give them a little pep talk, you know, about, Hey guys, you know, I get it. Your kids, you need some breaks, but gosh, this break kind of seems like it's longer than the last work stretch. You know, what's up with that? But instead of kind of giving them that little fatherly lecture, almost, I just grabbed them. Like I grabbed my two oldest boys, one with this arm and one with this one arm and I just drug him to the ground and we just wrestled for like, <laughs> I don't know, 15 minutes, That's awesome. you know, just right there in the middle of the, of the space that we're working, um, in the middle of the wet wrestling process, we're like taking a watch off and throwing it. Like my second born's taking his glasses off and we're, you know, like tool belt, throw that off and we just start wrestling. And it was really fun, man. We had a great time. They were, uh, we were all, you know, breathing heavy at the end of it. And when we got done wrestling, man, they popped up and just, boom, started grinding on the tasks at hand that needed to get done. So, yeah, that was a really cool moment, you know. And it turned out to be awesome, just fun bonding time for us. And then it seems like it had a better effect on their productivity than me walking up there and giving them one of these little, come on, guys, lecture type situations. So that was cool. How long is it going to be before your oldest can beat you in wrestling? Uh, I mean, the day I die, I guess. <laughs> you feeling him getting stronger, though? I mean, does he put up a fight? Oh, yeah, he's strong. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's funny because there's a sense of – there's he, it, he'll, he's going to be stronger than me at some point, right? But there's a difference between strength and power. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so maybe I'm – misconceived I don't know if that's the right word or not but uh maybe I'm you know confused in my mind that I'm his dad like I'm always going to have like power I'm always going to have a little more power than he has but we've trained some jujitsu over the years and a lot of the things that I do with them in jujitsu is give them the opportunity to actually get me in you know an arm bar or a choke or you know whatever it is let them sink that in get it tight and go ahead and give them that tap so that they, you know, I can't just always be dominating. I'm dominating, dominating. It's got to be a little give and take. And the jujitsu philosophy in school that we follow has this plus one mentality. So it's like, if you're a higher level rank than somebody else, you know, let's let's say somebody's a purple belt or, you know, a a brown belt or a black belt, and they're going against a white belt or a blue belt, they're not going to go full black belt level. 
I'm not going to go full dad strength level on my 14 year old. I'm just going to go like 14 and a half, you know? Um, but yeah, it's fun. That could be a separate debate maybe for a future episode. Is it ever okay to let your kids win or should you always dominate as long as you're able to? Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's perhaps a se- separate conversation. Although I totally know where you're coming from in terms of wrestling with them. I I had a really cool small win for the week, as I already preluded, and I'm going to get to that because it leads to today's topic, just to sort of set the agenda. We're going to talk about fixed versus growth mindsets, which may be a new concept for some of you. Some of you may already be familiar with those concepts, and we are going to try to equip you, not try to, I think we are going to equip you with very tangible and practical ways to encourage a growth mindset in your kids. So we'll get there in a second, but I I had two things that I just wanted to talk about quickly, uh, sort of just as as an aside. Uh, And the first is just to express my appreciation already for the outpouring of support we have received for this podcast. I mean, we are already on the front end of this podcast and we're just so grateful for you guys for listening and for giving us your time and, and attention And I'm glad that you are being encouraged by it. So one of my good buddies, Matthew, uh, sent me a text a couple weeks ago now, but I just wanted to share it. He said, look, I listened to your podcast, one of the first episodes. He said, while I was doing some work, he said, it's awesome. He said, it's, you know, you're doing a great thing. I pray blessings over you. You're just really doing a good thing with this podcast. And so Matthew, appreciate that encouragement. It really, really juices Perry and I up to know that, I mean, we're trying to make an impact. We're really in it for ourselves in a certain in a certain way, right? We're trying to grow and learn. But the fact that you guys are resonating with the the guests that we're bringing on and what we're talking about, that's really encouraging. Uh, and the one little, I guess, selfish plug I would say is, guys, if you have comments like that, please leave them as an official review in whatever podcasting platform you're using because that really helps uh, people find us in the platforms, but also it just helps potential listeners realize that, hey, maybe this is going to be a worthwhile podcast to click play on. But the second thing, and sort of following on that yesterday, actually, I'm listening to an audiobook about uh, human psychology, which actually has some really interesting things that I'm learning that may be applicable to talk about on a future episode of the podcast. But one of one of the things that they said really early on, they were interviewing the general manager of the Houston Rockets, which is an NBA franchise. And he said that three-fourths of the players that they interview to potentially draft to their franchise, this goes back decades, so they have hundreds and hundreds of people that they have interviewed and looked at bringing on to their basketball franchise. Three-fourths have no discernible relationship with their fathers. Wow. Three out of three. and, and, And he said, you know, his sense is that that's the pretty much a standard percentage Wow. NBA wide. And my guess wow. is it's just as high in the NFL. Uh, sure. My guess is it's just as high in maybe maybe not quite as high, but as high as Major League Baseball. And so, and then this morning, literally just an hour ago, as I'm driving my boys to school, my boys are big into the NBA. And Jackson started asking me, unsolicited, he didn't know anything about what I had just heard in this audiobook about this. And he started asking, like, who's married? in the NBA. He's like, does so-and-so have a wife? What, what about LeBron James? What about so-and-so? They're naming all their favorite players. Are, are they married? And I'm kind of going through, like, no, I don't I don't think they are. And then he's asking, do they have kids? Well, yeah, he's got a kid. He's got like five kids. He's got like three kids with three different women. He's, And we're going through all these players. And all, like, I can only think of a couple of them that are married and, you know, with kids and, and so forth. And and so I had a conversation with Jackson. I actually told him that statistic. And we tend to duplicate what we see, right? We, If our father wasn't present in the home, maybe we don't know what it's like to be present in our kids' lives. If we didn't see our parents have a healthy, happy, stable marriage. We don't know how to have a happy, healthy, stable marriage and so forth unless we intentionally try to break the cycle, which we talked about on the last episode, and and be different and so forth. But it's like, 
that cycle is going to perpetuate. If three-fourths of the NBA players don't have a father relationship, how are they going to have a good relationship with their own kids and so forth? And so I just thought it was an interesting conversation. I don't have all the answers as to why. We can unpack that. We can explore it. We can talk about the social ramifications. Maybe we will in a future episode. I just took from that an encouragement that what we're doing and what we're trying to do with the Faithful Fatherhood podcast is to hopefully solve some of those problems, encourage even just one extra father to be more present in his kids' lives and and maybe break that cycle in for his family and his future generations. And that's really kind of what we're about. And it was just kind of an eye-opening statistic to to think about over the past couple of days. Yeah, 100%. Uh, what was Jackson's reaction when you told him that, that stat, like that three out of four? I mean, was his mind blown from that? Because he's obviously seen... I don't know if he's old enough to remember, but he's obviously kind of experienced both sides of the coin, you know, so to speak, you being the active, present, engaged, intentional father and the earlier part of his life, that being a void, you know, what was his, I'm just really curious, what was his reaction when you told him that statistic? He didn't seem surprised. That's interesting. Uh, now, we talked about it literally as we were driving through the parking lot about to drop him off. So I basically dropped that. We spent the whole trip talking about who did or didn't have kids and married and so forth. And then at the end, I dropped that statistic kind of as he was getting out of the car. So there wasn't time for much reaction. He didn't seem overly surprised. I did draw the connection between if three-fourths don't have fathers – is there any surprise that then all of these NBA players aren't happily married and have all these kids out of wedlock? And he said, no, yeah, that that makes a ton of sense that we tend to do what we see. So he wasn't surprised. The connection made sense for him, but I will be interested to see if there's any sort of follow-up if he brings it up. Because he, he often takes some time to think about things and then he'll revisit it. He'll ask me questions later. And so I'll let you know if uh, if he circles back around to it. Yeah, that's how Liam, my second born is. He's he really internalizes things. Like there's there's so much happening in his mind that he doesn't let on about, you know. Sometimes weeks later he'll go, "Oh, I've been thinking about this or months or even years. Like sometimes it's been years. He'll tell us something from, you know, 2 or 3 years ago and we're like, "Dude, you know, he's talking to me and Nancy and we're like, "Liam, why didn't you tell us this?" And we could like <laughs> We could have like talked through it with you, you know, I don't know, you know, whatever. And we're just like, oh my gosh, you know, he's just, he's got so much happening internally. He's such an observer. He's such a thinker, you know, he's just, uh, I don't know. He's kind of one of those kids that seems wise beyond his years, you know? Um, So yeah, I was just curious to see what that reaction was and maybe it'll flush out over time. Maybe it'll come back up, resurface a little bit and you can dig deeper with him. I'm sure it will. And like, Liam. Sometimes our kids internalize things. And a lot of times our kids are hearing what we're saying or trying to say, even if we don't realize it, which brings me to my small win and the topic that I want to talk about today. So this past weekend, we were at a a birthday party for my wife's dad. Uh, He turned 65 and we threw a little surprise party for him. And so we're hanging out with family and cousins and all of this type of stuff. And, And we start having a conversation with, I don't know, one of the uncles about Benjamin, my middle child, playing the recorder. So he ended up throwing his recorder in the trash and was telling us that, oh, he doesn't need his recorder anymore. And then it turns out he needs his recorder and it's a good thing we fished it out of the trash otherwise we'd buy be buying a new recorder and all this stuff and and then he starts talking about how uh he doesn't like playing the recorder and we're like okay well well why not what what's the problem with playing the recorder and he says well i'm just not good at the recorder okay and then we kind of go on in the conversation whatever and jackson my oldest comes over to me and literally like gets in my ear like he's gonna whisper this deep dark secret or whatever and he goes dad you need to have the fixed versus growth mindset talk with Benjamin. (laughs) No way. That's awesome. And so it's my small win because I didn't know he's been paying attention every time I talk to him about the fixed versus growth mindset. It seems to be going in one ear and out the other. I've had the conversation with him like 10 times (laughs) and it has stuck in there somewhere to the point where he picked up on his own brother's languaging around an I am statement and specifically an I am not statement. I am not good at the recorder. Well, no, 
It's not that you're not good at the recorder. You are not proficient at the recorder yet. That's right. It is not your identity to not be good at the recorder. You just haven't grown and learned and developed the skill set to be good at the recorder. Jackson immediately picked up on that. Which then got awesome. Yeah, which is awesome that Jackson's figuring that out. And yes, I will go have the specific explicit conversation with Benjamin at some point. I haven't had the conversation yet, but that's prelude. Uh, One of my take-home points for you guys, the listener, have that conversation with your kids. That's going to be my point number one. We'll get there in a moment. But let's define some terms because so I've been thinking about this ever since the weekend. I was like, you know, this is something worth talking about on the podcast because it is so important and relevant to raising healthy, successful, motivated kids that are going to be a positive impact in society, a positive impact in the world, a positive impact in God's kingdom, if they have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Now, uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with these terms, uh, let's just go ahead and define the terms. And maybe I'll just sort of ask you, Perry, I know you've done a lot of thinking about this and some personal development around it. When you hear or think about growth versus fixed mindsets, what are you thinking about? What do do those terms mean to you? Oh, sure. So for me, the fixed mindset, and we have dealt with this professionally, we've dealt with it in our family, I've dealt with it on a personal level, um, because like you said, it, as we grow in our family's homes, it's we kind of grow into the way it was for us as we grew up. And so I think there's certainly some levels of fixed mindset around my parents and my upbringing. There's certainly some elements of fixed mindset in my wife's parents and, and how she was raised. And I'm sure there's some levels of how we still hold on to it now. And our kids are going to look back and see that when they're older. But to me, the fixed mindset is, uh, you know, it's like the word says, it's it's fixed. It's limiting. It is putting a cap on things. It is saying that it is the way that it is. Well, this is just how it is, you know, right here, right now. And it's also can be in terms of, you know, a fixed mindset like, Someone can have it like I already know the answer. That's right. You know? And so I think the opposite of that fixed mindset is the, obviously the growth, but it is a curious, you know, the fixed mindset already has everything figured out, already know all the answers is one aspect of the fixed mindset. Or the other one is it's a limiting, I can't, I don't know how to, I'm not, you know, it's that, um, that negativity or that. Um, lack of mindset. So I think they're they're both there. It can be fixed through an overconfidence or a thinking you have all the answers, or it can be fixed based off of, well, I'm no good at this thing. Um, and then the growth mindset is more of a curious mindset. It's a learning mindset. It's um, it's an open, you know, curious and open questioning, you know, questioning in a good way, wanting to learn more. Uh, it's a positive mindset. It's a dynamic, you know, it's, it's fluid, it's moving, you know, the fixed mindset to me is very stagnant, you know? Um, so when we just talk about those two words, you know, those are kind of the things that just tend to flesh out of my mind and my heart. So, um, yeah, nothing, you know, specific from a, a, a book that I've read there or anything, but just all the things that are kind of coming from within as I've thought and studied about in this and honestly tried to improve on it myself over the years. And I love that you said that you're trying to improve on it as well because it's important for us as the grown grown-ups, the adults, to also adopt a growth mindset. And I'm actually going to talk about that as well here in a moment. But I think your analysis is spot on. You know, these terms were actually first coined by a psychologist named Carol Dweck in a book she wrote called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. She was sort of the first person to put uh, studies and and sort of analyze and look at what's going on inside the mind, neurologically even, uh, when we have fixed versus growth mindsets. And and she basically just explains sort of what you summarized, Perry, which is that if we have a fixed mindset, it's basically this belief that our intelligence and our talents don't change. That they're Mm -hmm. essentially 
God-given, that they are how we, what we were born with. I am either smart or I am not smart. I am either talent, like athletic or unathletic. I have these inherent traits that I really don't have a lot of control over. Now, that might be accurate if we're talking about something like our height. I am sure. tall. Okay, fine. Yes. As much as I would like to believe that I have control over my growth, at some point, genetically, I'm somewhat limited in terms of my ability to control my height. Okay, fine. That's right. But when it comes to intelligence or character traits, laziness uh, versus you know work ethic, uh, athleticism, ability to learn an instrument. Yes. Are there people like was Mozart just absolutely blessed with an unbelievable musical talent? Yes. But does it mean my son can't become good at the recorder? No, of course not. And so a growth mindset simply believes that, uh, and not not believes, it, it adopts the internal belief that I can grow, I can learn, that my intelligence isn't fixed, that my talent level isn't fixed, and that I can strive to get better in all of these areas. And and there's an unbelievable amount of, of positive ramifications of adopting a growth versus a, a fixed mindset. In terms of people with a, a fixed mindset are very resistant to, uh, to taking risk, for example, because they don't believe that inherent challenges can be overcome. As, as easily as people who have a growth mindset. Uh, so they're more resistant to change, for example. And we could, we could go on and on, but that's, that's the general idea. And, and I have a lot of ideas that I want to share with you about ways that we can encourage a, growth, encourage a growth mindset in our own kids and, and encourage them past having feelings of a fixed mindset, which I think comes naturally to kids sometimes, but it's our job as parents and fathers to sort of coach them beyond that. Uh, but before we sort of get to that, I want to I want to give us all a Spanish lesson. <laughs> and and yes, this this is relevant. It's going somewhere because it's just sort of an epiphany that I had yesterday as I was thinking about this. Do you speak Spanish, Perry? Solo poquito. <laughs> so a little bit good. <laughs> I can order. I can order at the Mexican restaurant every now and then. I would love to be fluent in Spanish, and that's something that I haven't mastered yet. I haven't become fluent in Spanish yet, I love but that. it is good it for is you. A desire. Thank you. It is a desire of mine, and actually, another desire of mine is that my wife and I would live somewhere in Central America for part of the year. Maybe after our kids are grown and out of the house, you know, we might spend you know winters in Costa Rica or Guatemala Panama some you know just somewhere you know tropical Spanish speaking I love the culture I love the language and that's kind of a long-winded answer to do I speak Spanish or not but yes and well let's see if you remember this about Spanish so we uh, and by the way Melanie and I will join you whenever you decide to have your summers in Costa Rica or something or might I suggest Colombia so uh, yes. Melanie and I spent a, a couple of years in Colombia and that's where I started to learn Spanish I wouldn't say I'm completely fluent in Spanish but I have 2 years of immersive Spanish and when we first got to Colombia I spoke zero Spanish and so we enrolled in a Spanish speaking or a, a, a class and so 5 days a week for several hours a day I went and just I learned Spanish and then got to practice it throughout the day obviously living in a Spanish speaking country but I remember early on they they taught us the difference between the two different verbs to be and this is the relevance to this conversation about fixed versus growth mindset because I was realizing in English, we are limited by only having one version of the verb to be. But in Spanish, they have two different forms of the verb to be. One that expresses a permanent state of being, yes. ser. So if I wanted to say, I am tall, soy grande. I am tall. That is like a physical description of my permanent state of being. Mm -hmm. But if I want to say I am happy, estoy emocionado, totally different verb, estar. 
that expresses a temporary state of being, meaning it can change. That's right. So I am currently happy, but in the next moment I might be sad. And and I know that's probably as far as the analogy goes, because I'm sure like, you know, I, I think there are certainly other descriptors that I might use Sarah versus a star, but but the idea really made sense to me that we are limited in English by only having one verb to be. I am tall, okay, fine. I am intelligent. Okay, now all of a sudden we're getting into murky ground. Because that is describing me as having a permanent character trait of intelligence. And you might be thinking, well, but that's a good thing. You are intelligent. That's a positive thing. But it's still a fixed mindset. Right. It's still, it still applauds outcomes instead of process. I am lazy. Eh, okay. Now, now it makes more sense when we talk about the negative. If I describe myself as lazy, I don't want to permanently describe myself as lazy. It's okay if I permanently describe myself as intelligent. Or is it? It's okay if I permanently describe myself as talented, or is it? And I would suggest it's not. Anytime that you are adopting that fixed mindset, even for positive adjectives, well, think about the flip side. I wouldn't want to describe myself as I am lazy, I am dumb, I am ugly. I like, okay, it's not okay if I have a fixed mindset around those things. Instead, think about the Spanish verb estar and just sort of mentally. So this is my encouragement for you as the listeners. Maybe this is your first time hearing this. Like in my mind, I've already started to change it and think, okay, if I'm going to use this adjective, I want to mentally pretend I have to use the temporary verb to be if English had one. I am currently not very good at playing the recorder, but I can change. I can grow. I can get better. I am not currently good at math, not I am bad at math. Right. I have not yet put in the time and work it takes to learn this math skill. That's right. And that's a very different thing. So the question becomes, how do we encourage that in our kids? That's a great question. And I, you know, <clears throat> to me, it always comes back to we've got to learn it for ourselves first, right? Because we can't initiate, we can't impart the wisdom on our kids that we don't yet obtain ourselves. And so for me, it is, okay, okay, men, okay, fathers, let's lean hard. Let's lean really hard into, A, just first becoming a a little self-aware, right? I mean, maybe some of the listeners have been living in a fixed mindset, operating with this daily, and genuinely have no self-awareness of it. This is new information, or maybe they're aware of it, and it still permeates in certain areas of life that might not be you know, at the forefront of their mindset. And so my encouragement is, let's, let's get really dialed and really self-aware about our own fixed versus growth mindset. Let's read the books. Let's let's grow. Let's change. Let's lean into that. And so once we become more growth mindset ourselves, then we're going to have capacity to impart that knowledge on our children. We'll be able to see it in our kids when they need that that information, when they need that mindset shift, when they need that, you know, awareness. We get to be the mirrors for our kids sometimes that they might not get to see themselves in a certain light because we have more wisdom, more experience, more understanding. We can see that and help develop them into a more mature version of themselves. That's right. right? I mean, that's what fathering is all about, helping develop them into a, a more competent, more mature, more loving, more understanding version of themselves. And so I think for me, it always starts with myself. You know, how can I become more of a growth mindset individual? And I'm stoked on that book. And I'm guessing we'll put that in the show notes, right? The one we mentioned. So that'll be there for anybody that wants to check it out. I'm going to check it out. I haven't, I haven't listened to or read that book yet. So I'm excited about it. But yeah, step one for me is 
let's let's leave the fixed mindset and and you know migrate to the growth mindset ourselves. Absolutely. And I have several other tangible practical ways to share as well. And I concur with everything Perry just said. I want to quickly circle back because I feel like I sort of left hanging this idea that, well, why why isn't it good to have a fixed mindset for positive adjectives like I am intelligent? And I, I did want to just hammer that because the issue there is if your kids have even if it's a positive self-identity around something like intelligence or talent, what happens the first time they come up against a challenge in the area that they think they are naturally good at? Yeah. And I'll give you a perfect example for myself. I was always a fairly precocious child. I tended to learn academic concepts pretty easily. I was always good in school, and I viewed myself as intelligent until I got to calculus. <laughs> calculus! Yeah! And the first time I got a C on a math test, I almost had like a crisis of confidence. I started to question my worth, my identity. It, was I not really intelligent all along? Why can't I get this? Am I actually dumb? How come my buddy's doing well at this? Because I had never been applauded for the hard work that it took to acquire the math skills, things just came easy to me. And that to me is where the danger of adopting fixed mindsets at all, whether positive or negative, comes into play. Perry, maybe you could share a little bit about what we were discussing right before we pressed record on this episode. Your son, your your third born, has a similar situation right now with regard to talent and athletic talent, right? He does. Yeah, Seth is <clears throat> 10 and he, things just really come natural to him. We do own a gymnastics facility and a ninja facility and so he's grown up his whole life around trampolines and bars and ninja courses and climbing walls and you know foam pits and all the stuff right so and he's also grown up as the third son to where he watches his older brothers do harder tricks you know front tucks back tucks handstands cartwheels all the things and so not only does he have the natural talent but he's also has the advantage of observing older siblings doing more difficult things. There's a funny story when he was really young, too young to be doing back tucks. Back tuck is the the uh, you know appropriate name for a back flip. Most people just call it a back flip, but it's a back tuck. And he's watching his older brothers do back tucks into the loose foam pit. So there's an edge, you know, that shelves off, and then there's foam under here, and it's stand on the edge and do a back tuck and land, you know, and if, if they mess up, they land on their head, doesn't matter. Well, he's doing these back tucks into the pit and I'm watching him. I'm going, this kid's like three or four years old. And he's like jumping this hucking, like we hadn't taught him that in class. He's too young for that, you know, but he's got older brothers that are the appropriate age. We've been teaching them. They've been doing it, etc. And he's like, Hey dad, watch this, you know, and he's doing these back tucks. And I'm like, whoa, Seth, that's crazy. You know, let me go get my phone and video. And so, of course, I run in the office, get my phone, come out and video him. And he just totally chokes on this one. I don't I don't think it was because of the videoing, but he's just young and they don't have the process of doing it right every time. And he totally just like head flops, you know, on the edge of the pit, like boom, 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 the, into the, uh, he head flops on the edge of the floor and you know, rolls into the pit. He wasn't injured or hurt or, you know, he's, it was fine. A fun, laughable moment. But because things come so easy to him athletically, there's going to be a day where he gets to a certain level with ninja flips, tricks, gymnastic skills, rock climbing, whatever it is, he's going to get to a skill or a problem climbing, bouldering, that's really challenging for him. And it's not going to just happen on the second, third, fourth, fifth try. It's going to literally take hundreds, if not thousands of attempts. And the question is, is he going to have the mindset to put in that work? Or is he going to quit? 
Because That's we see right. it all the time in basketball, these kids who are just better than everybody until about eighth grade, and all of a sudden they come up against another kid who can lock them down, and they'll like quit the sport. Sure. You know, as opposed to fighting through and putting in the extra time in the gym, and I got to figure out how to beat this guy. It's always come easily, but have I developed that internal drive and that desire to put in the work to fight for things that are important to me and believe that I can grow and get better to end up being able to, to beat this guy one-on-one? Is Seth going to be put in, be willing to put in the hours and hours and hours to learn the new bouldering, you know, technique or whatever? If it's always come easy and now he's got to work hard for something. Yeah, and what we're talking about is grit, you know, tenacity, with itness, and you know, the, to answer that question honestly, I don't know. Right. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that or if he's just going to be done with it. But it's my role as a father to set him up That's right. for the greatest percentage of success. And by success, I want to make sure I'm clear here because I don't mean necessarily getting a skill when I'm talking about success. What I'm talking about is grit and having the stick with itness to do the hard work, to stay with something that doesn't come easily. And so I think, you know, as we sit here and talk about this, immediately what comes to my mind is putting them in situations now in areas that maybe they're not naturally, things that don't naturally come easy or quick to them. You know, some kids learn music very easily. Some kids learn academia very easily. Some kids learn sports very easily. Everybody has a natural bent towards things they can pick up quickly. And so I think one of the approaches, and I'm not sure if this one's on your list or not, but maybe it is, maybe you want to table it for later. Maybe we can dive into it now, but it's putting them into things that they're not necessarily naturally gifted at, that they have to work hard at in order for the purpose of building grit, building tenacity, building stick with itness. You know, I think that's a great way to set the kids up to have that because That in and of itself, the not quitting mindset is actually a skill set in and of itself. It's actually a character trait in and of itself. It wasn't on my list. I love it. I agree that that is a healthy and positive thing to do. I will say that uh, I, I can foresee in my own situation with my kids getting a little pushback and resistance. You know, my oldest Jackson is reluctant to try things that he doesn't feel like he's going to immediately be good at. And so that's just such a normal thing for kids. And it's our job to try to push them past that. Uh, I've already relayed on this podcast my story about Jackson water skiing. He was very reluctant to even try water skiing because in his mind, he didn't think he was going to be good at it and didn't want to put himself in a situation where he might fail. And so it was my job as a father to basically say, well, you're going to do it anyway, okay, in a, po- in a more positive way than that. But like put him in that situation, like you said, where he had to battle and fight through and learn that skill. And I would say a way to nurture that is actually one of the first things on my list and building on what you said, Perry, is to applaud the effort, not the outcomes. Yes. To, pr- to praise progress and effort and work ethic over outcomes. And so that is something that I have always been intentional with and very conscious of with my own kids. And I'll give you a couple of examples. When it comes to grades, whenever their report cards come out, we try never to actually praise the A's. We say, good job, but I always find something to applaud that has to do with their growth. Ben, I am so proud of you for getting an A in behavior because do you remember at the end of last year, you had a B minus and you got in trouble a lot in school. So I'm not proud of you because you're behaving now. I'm proud of you because of the work that you put in to change your behavior. Jackson, awesome job getting an A in music. Not because you got the A in music, because I know you have worked really hard on your trumpet. I hear you practicing every night, and I think that's awesome that you've put in that work, and you've been rewarded with an A. 
And that's the languaging, literally the languaging we try yeah. to use at the end of last year, you know, it's the start of this school year, but at the end of last year, we took the kids uh, for ice cream after the report cards and we spent the entire time we're eating ice cream one by one, going through each grade and talking about the growth we had seen in that subject or in that area from the previous year, praising the effort, not the outcome. Absolutely. So, and same thing in basketball. You know, my kids are always excited to show me that they can make a three-pointer. Dad, come look at this new skill, this new shot. Awesome that you made that three-pointer. But what I really like, Jackson, is that you spent the past week working on it and That's learning right. it and developing it. Because then they feel good about that. And now they're wanting to please dad by working hard. Not because I care whether they win the game or make the shot or whatever. That's awesome. But that's the natural outcome of the process you put in trying to improve and trying to grow. That's right. And it's all about making that link together in their minds, right? This is a great result. And the, the way that you got to this result was all this level of hard work, right? It's like the result is the tip of the iceberg. And everything underneath the water is the work that you put forth to get there. I love that. Yeah. yeah and the problem weird. is our kids only see the tip of the iceberg because they're watching their favorite NBA players on TV and thinking that maybe they're just naturally gifted by God with this amazing basketball talent. No, Kobe Bryant spent relentless hours in the gym starting at 5 a.m. when his, uh, his competitors are still asleep in bed putting in the time and work and, and we're trying to to create that connection with our own kids. So praising the prog uh, praising the process, praising the effort, I think is a tangible way. Another thing that I would talk about stems directly from some of the research in Dweck's book, and that is to actually have the conversation with your kids about this concept of growth versus fixed mindsets. I told you that Jackson literally came over to me and said, Dad, you need to – like it's on his radar because he was aware of it. And even just ensuring that your kids are aware that it is possible to grow and improve makes a difference. I want to go through just a couple of the studies from the book. And again, I haven't read the full book, but I've, I've been sort of brushing up on a few of the, few of the key points and some of the studies – and there are these, these graphs. I'm literally looking at it right now on my computer screen. These, these graphs showing the outcome after intervention. And the intervention was things that they did with these kids in the research study to basically prove to them and show to them that their brains are able to form new connections and learn new things. So this goes to the neuroscience of it, right? Our brains can, you know, create new synapses, which are the the electro the electric firing between the the synapses in our brain. And if you're listening to this and you're a neuroscientist and you hear me butchering this explanation, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but the idea is we can literally create new pathways in the brain. Things that the brain didn't previously know how to do or thoughts the brain didn't previously have can literally be hard-coded and created in the mind. That's and right. so they talked to these, these students about that and literally explained that neuroscience to them to the point where they started to believe that, oh my gosh, it is possible to – improve. And I'm looking at this chart before and after of this intervention of basically, and all the intervention was, was a talk teaching them, showing them that they can actually physically grow their brain in certain areas. And it's showing their math grades, their math GPA before and after intervention. And the control group actually went down a little bit. I don't know why that would be the case, but the growth group, the kids who were told that they could grow and get better at math, got better at math. That's simply awesome. because they were aware of it. And, and the same thing, they did a similar thing with praising efforts mm -hmm. instead of praising intelligence. Oh, Ben, you are so smart at math. You're just a good, God gave you a good math brain. Yeah. Not going to get any better. In fact, after the intervention, those people actually went down in the total number of problems, math problems they were able to solve. The, really? student, the students who were praised for their effort got more questions right after the intervention. So the kids that were told they're so smart 
and they're so good at math. Yep. After they were told that. Yep. I actually got fewer questions right on the next practice. You know. Wow. That's, I mean, that little statistic right there is huge, you know, because you're talking about how in the long run, when you had in your head, oh, I'm intelligent, I'm intelligent. And then you hit, you know, calculus. All of a sudden it's like, boom. But there's also a more immediate negative result too that probably as I sit here and hear this information for the first time and try to discern it, it probably creates a level of laziness. You know what I'm saying? It creates a level of less effort, complacency. Oh man, I'm so good at blah, blah. I don't really have to try that hard, you know, because it is praising a natural giftedness, which we do have, but we, if we focus on praising the work, the effort, and we focus on you know highlighting the fact that we can grow, it encourages more work and effort and it encourages more growth. That's exactly right. If we just say, oh, you're such a natural talent. Oh man, you don't even have to work hard at this, right? And they don't. <laughs> and now fortunately, I somehow by age, I guess I was 16 or 17 when I was taking calculus in high school, had developed at least a little bit of a growth mindset in other areas, probably through sports. Uh, My parents were always encouraging. I don't know if they intentionally praised effort over results, but somehow it was sort of in me so that when I hit the roadblock with calculus, I asked, for a tutor. I put in extra hours. I got together with my buddy for extra study sessions because he was good at calculus, teach me how to do this because I was not going to settle for a C in calculus. I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I was able to fight through it. And the question is how? How do you develop that? Why do some kids have it and some don't? And I would suggest that it's some kids might have it because it's been instilled in them hopefully by a father figure or a mother or somebody who has worked on it with our kids. And so we can absolutely do that. So uh, Perry's correct. We need to work on it ourselves. Be aware of it. I suggest that we praise effort over outcomes. And even just having the conversation with our kids might be enough for them to realize it is possible to grow. And just that realization alone might be enough. And then I have another one for you, uh, kind of maybe the final one on my list, is to sit down with your kids and have them write an I am statement about themselves. This is something that I've always sort of done for myself uh, in my own personal growth journey, but Jackson is running cross country this year and he has a new coach and I love I love his cross country this coach this year. His cross country coach is incredibly encouraging and positive and giving these kids all of these uh, these inspirational quotes and things to think about. But at the beginning of the school year, he asked or at the beginning of the season, he asked every kid on the team to write an I am statement about themselves and, and bring it in and give it to him. And so Jackson came to me and he he was like, Dad, what should I write as my I am statement? He's starting to think about himself. And his first attempt was something like, I am, this is literally what he said, I am good at basketball. Yeah. I was like, Jackson, I don't think that's what they're going for. <laughs> I was like, and, and notice that that fixed mindset. He had already identified as being good at basketball, not I worked hard. He forgets that he was ever terrible at basketball. <laughs> so Jackson, if you're listening to this, I, I remind him of this all the time. Jackson, you weren't always good at basketball. In fact, you could barely dribble. Like you were yeah. terrible. Like the first time you tried to play basketball, you dribbled off your foot. Like you have right. worked really, really hard to get good at basketball. And I constantly have to remind him of that. But his first I am statement was, I am good at basketball. I was like, okay, well, first of all, you're running cross country. So let's think about something other than basketball. Okay, dad. Uh, I am fast. Okay, good. I'm glad you're identifying with being fast. He's not the fastest kid on the team, but I'm glad he's starting to project this idea that he is fast. We're getting we're, we're getting we're getting there. Like we're going in the right direction. But I coached him through writing an I am statement that was a growth-minded statement. And what we came up with was and, and I don't remember exactly what he wrote, but it was something along the lines of I am no, this is what it is. I am willing and eager to learn new things. I am I am willing and eager to to try to try new things. That's yes. what it was. And 
I thought that's awesome. That is that is good because now when you know your coach tries to correct your running posture, you're not going to be resistant to it. Well, I've been running my whole life. The way I do it is fine. No, you you know I'm fast. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but you, Jackson, you literally have decided that you are willing to try and learn new things. So listen to your coach. Yeah. Hey, here's how you run up hills faster. Right. Okay. Now you're willing and eager to learn how to run up hills more effectively. Here's how to use gravity to your advantage running down hills. Oh, my mindset is I am the type of person who learns new things, wants to learn new things. And so that's that's what we did together at the beginning of this cross country season. And I was thinking, you know, that'd be a really useful exercise to do with all of my kids. Perry, do it with all your kids. And maybe you have a new I am statement at the beginning of every school year. Maybe you have an I am statement for school and a different one for sports. Maybe you just have a focus statement for each year. Maybe on January 1st as a New Year's kind of resolution thing with every one of our kids, we come up with a new I am statement that's going to be our focus for the year. Uh, and and so I just I would just encourage you guys. I, you know, I don't know if you like this, don't like this, but I, I think it's something that's working well in our family and wanted to share that with you guys as well. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. And I, I think it's, you know, exactly what we're talking about on this episode is the growth mindset. And as we can shift from the, I am fast, I am good at basketball, I am these, you know, concrete, fixed mindset statements to the growth mindset, it's beautiful. And it just opens up opportunity for doing just that, growing and developing. And that's what we're all about, you know. And it, I want to circle back around to one thing that you mentioned in your, in your first example is, you know, in praising the work over the outcomes um, <clears throat> that goes along with we're here to grow. And I think one thing that I try to do with my kids and I try to do in my own life is actually praise and talk about failure in terms of a good and positive light. Yes. Now, maybe some listeners are going, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? Failure, that's no good. Maybe they haven't ever heard this concept. And maybe the people that have done some studying or some reading or some education on it are going, oh, yeah, I know where y'all are going with this. But you mentioned the word failure, and it immediately that pinged into my mind of, you know, we have this mantra around our business that, you know, every successful person is standing on a mountaintop of failures. You know, every professional NBA player has missed a lot of shots in practices, in games. You know, you have to miss a lot of shots in order to develop the skill set of making shots. And so I think it's very easy in our culture and even as fathers to think of failure in a negative light. But the reality is failure is learning. You know, you hear so many elites, whether that is an elite person in business or whether it's an elite athlete or whoever, professional athlete, they talk about, well, I learned more, you know, in terms of competitive, let's say it's a, a competitive, you know, martial artist, jujitsu. I learned more, you know, UFC guy, whatever. I learned more from the fights that I lost. I learned more from the basketball games that we lost than the ones that I win. So we, as humans, I think, learn more from our failed attempts than the gold medals, than the ones we win, than the successes, right? And so I think it's just <clears throat> critical to begin to impart that understanding into the lives of our children. Hey, you, we want you to be failing. And it's like, we say that to our employees, we say it to our kids. And generally, the initial reaction is like a double take. Like, what? What'd you just say? And we say this to our new employees all the time. Hey, we really want you to fail some at this job. We want you to be failing. And they're just like, I haven't heard that before. Well, when you're failing, it means you're trying new things. You're taking means, risks. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about gross neglect. That's not a failure. There's a difference between neglect and failure. Neglect is... I know that if I do this certain action, it's going to have a negative outcome. I know the negative outcome is coming, right? That's not what we're saying. Failure is, well, I think this new game 
for leading a group of five-year-old kids is going to be a hit. I think it's going to be a blast. The kids are going to love it. It's going to be all of it. And then all of a sudden you try it and it's just a total disaster. It's a flop. <laughs> you know, half the kids are over here. They don't know what you're talking about. They don't get it. Whatever it is, that's a failure, right? You tried something new. I'm talking about, you know, one of my employees. But for our kids, we want to impart that same understanding of failure in a positive light, appreciating failure, valuing failure, and learning from it, right? And so that's a lot of times what kids don't want to try something new, the recorder, or, you know, I don't know if your kids ever say they don't want to try three-pointers. I mean, they don't, you know, like it sounds like they want to try that a lot, and they, they already accept, and maybe the difference is they accept the fact that they're going to miss them at first. That's right. They don't step to the three-point line for the first time thinking, I'm just going to make it rain. I'm just going to be draining these threes, threes, threes. They have an expectation of I'm going to miss for a while, right? But when you pick up the recorder and they think, oh, I'm going to make this thing sound good. And it's like, you know, an awful disaster. Ah. And maybe that's part of the difference is they've, they've already accepted and and believe in the fact that failures is imminent when they start learning three pointers and therefore they put the time into practice, you know? Yeah. That's one of the hallmarks of having a fixed mindset. The studies bear it out that people with a, sorry, a growth mindset, people with a growth mindset are way more willing to take risk and inherent in risk is failing, but they don't view failing as the end all be all. It's an opportunity to grow and to learn, to try again, to find new ways. And that that only comes with a growth mindset. People with a fixed mindset are much more resistant to taking risk and failure averse. And therefore, they don't end up growing and pushing boundaries and succeeding to the level that they otherwise could in their lives as a result. Sure. And what do you think that, I mean, how does that, how does that flesh out? Like, how do we talk to our kids? How do we begin to tell them that failure is a good thing? You know what? I mean, is it just as simple as that much of a conversation? It is. What does that look like to you? Yeah. I think, I think just explaining that. I, so just, just yesterday, again, uh, I'm driving my son to his cross country meet and he finds out that it is the same course that was his least favorite course last year. He didn't get a good time. It was hot that day. The field was grassy. He doesn't like running on grass. So all of a sudden, he starts giving me all of these excuses, reasons why he's not going to have a good race, reasons why he hates this course, negative, 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 fixed mindset stuff as well. And so it's just a matter of me as the father being aware of it, detecting it, see what's going on, and reframing the conversation and literally saying, Jackson, you have an opportunity here. And using those words, right? Because challenges should be viewed as opportunities. And so I said, I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me what are some of the opportunities you have running the same course a second time. And I made him literally think about and shift his mindset to, oh, okay, I am going to learn, right? I said, Jackson, remember your I am statement. You are the type of person who wants to and is eager to learn and try new things. What can you try to do differently on this same course this year? Yeah. Is it an opportunity to get better at running on grass? Is it, a, is it an opportunity to turn a flat grass course into an asset rather than a liability in your cross-country ability? And so, yes, I think it's just having the conversation. It's just pointing things out. It's just helping to reframe his mind. And, and he ended up beating his time from last year by a minute, a whole minute. Um, That's awesome. and, and hopefully it had something to do with him going into the race, believing that it was an opportunity to do better rather than lamenting the fact that he had to run this course, being certain that it was going to be a terrible race because he hates this course and blah, 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 blah. That doesn't serve anybody. We just help coach our kids through it. That's really, I think, all there is to it. Sure, absolutely. And I think, too, in addition to that, we can take in the moment of the failures and praise the work like you're talking about and identify, okay, you didn't have the time that you wanted to. You didn't, you didn't finish in the placement that you wanted to. You know, how can we learn from that? How can we take this? And I think we can even you know, use the word failure, identify as the word failure. How can we take this loss? How can we take this failure? How can we take this miss? And turn it around and use it for a positive and strive towards growth and strive towards change and strive towards improvement 
And let's be happy with this failure because it's giving us the opportunity to become aware of a growth opportunity, right? Until you have the failure, until you have the miss, you don't re- you're not as aware of the growth opportunity, I think. I think you're right. So we have covered a lot of ground. I hope you guys have been encouraged by this, that you've learned some tangible things to try with your own kids, some ways perhaps of having a conversation that you've never thought about having with them before, equipping you with some tools and some resources to be able to do that. As I suggested, I will post the link to that book in the notes below if you would like to, uh, if you'd like to read further on, on these concepts. I do want to end with one final thought that I really feel like Uh, was impressed upon me last night as I was thinking about this and praying about this. We have spent a lot of time talking about how to help and encourage our kids to see themselves differently, to recognize their ability to grow. But I would encourage us as fathers to also not pigeonhole our own kids in how we view them. Because I think it is so easy to sometimes think about our kids or paint our kids as a certain way. Sure. Period. Positive or negative. Positive or negative in how we describe them or how we think about them and not give them the opportunity to grow. And I know this is an area that I personally have struggled a lot with as a father. I have looked at my boys sometimes and described them in a fixed way. Not to them specifically, but oftentimes in how I have talked about them to my wife with my wife. And she often will correct me. Oh my gosh, Jackson is just so lazy, blah, 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 blah. Okay, but he's not always going to be that way. He might be exhibiting a lazy behavior in this moment or even in this season, right? Kids go through phases. Sure. But if I want Jackson to not view himself that way and give himself the ability to learn and to grow, I can't view him that way either. Even if I'm not saying those words to his face so that he can hear them, if that's the way I'm seeing him, if that's the way I'm filtering how I view my own son in my own mind, I have a lazy son. I have an untalented, an unathletic kid. Well, that's not fair to them, whether I say it to them or not. So my wife will correct me and say, be careful. Right. He's not always going to be that way. Or right. better yet, how can we encourage him to develop work ethic? And I can't tell you how many examples there are for all of my kids ways that I previously thought about them as their identity that they are not like at all anymore, even just a year or two later. There were stretches where Jackson was a lazy kid. And now he's got one of the strongest work work ethics of anybody in his class. He's determined. He's out there shooting a million free throws. He works hard in school. He's not doing as well in math this year, and he's coming to me for extra help. Like, that's not the Jackson of three years ago. Not even close. Right. But I didn't give him the the benefit of the doubt to allow him to grow in my own mind. Now, the good news is I didn't say that to him publicly because it might have stunted him. It might have limited him. By all means, please, fathers, don't be saying those things verbally to them. But even in our own minds, let's be careful about how we're viewing our kids because we don't want to fix them either. And we want to recognize that they can grow, that they will grow. And if there's something about your kids that you're just frustrated with right now, a character trait in them that you don't like, it is not their identity. It doesn't have to be their identity. They can grow. They can change. The question we need to ask ourselves is how can we encourage them to grow and change in those areas as we affirm in them the own belief that they can grow and change? That's right. And I would love to add this. And it just came to my mind as a little bit of a challenge to the listeners and to myself as well to you, Brett. If there's something that we see in our kids that we don't like, take a look in the mirror, brother. Right. Ask the Lord to show you, right. How are, how are you modeling that behavior? 
there has there's probably some way right and we could use the laziness as an example um or even we could use a fixed mindset as an example maybe right if we're seeing our kids having a fixed mindset if we're seeing our kids not have the work ethic maybe we're modeling that somehow and so that's always for me if there's something that's an aggravation if there's something that's a sticking point if there's something that's a frustration to me about any of my close immediate relationships whether it be my wife my kids employees and i'm looking at them going man why why you know there's just this right that's a great opportunity for me to take a really hard look in the mirror a prayerful look in the mirror lord reveal to me how i might be exhibiting or modeling lazy behavior lord reveal to me how i might be exhibiting or modeling a fixed mindset because chances are there's some area that I can improve that, improve on in my life if I'm seeing it in those around me and it's creating a frustration within me. Oftentimes I, I that's a trigger. It's a it's a flag, it's a it's an indicator, it's a ping. For me, I need to take a look at my own life and try to make an improvement there. So that's my challenge to you, to me, to the listeners. If we're experiencing that, let's take a look at ourselves and and, and pray for growth in that area. Challenge accepted. Appreciate that final word as we wrap up this episode of the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. As always, I have enjoyed and been inspired by this conversation. I hope you have as well as listeners. Again, give us those five-star reviews. Share us with your friends and other fathers that you know who could benefit from this conversation. And uh, we will let you get back to a week of growth and fathering your kids well. We appreciate you. We are excited to be here with you regularly and look forward to coming with uh, coming to you again with the next episode of the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Until then, I, until then, I am Brett and Perry signing off. Take care, everyone. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying